0: The 50th year of jazz basketball starts tonight, and we're fired up for it. Getting you to tip off next on Locked on Jazz. bum 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 Pow! You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I am David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked On Jazz on the opening night of Utah Jazz basketball. All right, here's what we got for the show. We'll talk about Danny Ainge and Ryan Smith's press conference last night, which I watched on Jazz Plus. Uh, Huge TV deal, Ainge with the telling comment of the day, what to watch for tonight. And by the way, despite what people are starting to say, math still really matters in the NBA and some teams I have a feeling are going to make a really big mistake this year and other teams are really going to profit from it and we'll talk about who we'll find out who they are we'll talk about where we fit on that next as we continue as I mentioned I am David Locke radio voice of the Utah Jazz Jazz NBA insider and this is Locked on Jazz it's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz giving you insight expertise geeky numbers hopefully making Being a Jazz fan better each and every day. Thank you so much for tuning in and being making Locked on Jazz your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on every podcasting app and on YouTube. Our YouTube question of the day, what are you most excited about for the 23-24 season? It might be watching on Jazz Plus. For all I know listening to me and ron on the radio we still do radio we've been free the whole time we've been available free the whole time uh just playing just playing and uh super fired up uh for it to the everydayers you carried us through the off season you're the greatest i love you thank you so much uh today's show is brought to you by game time game time download the game time app create an account use the code locked on mba for twenty dollars off your first purchase all right. Danny Ainge, Ryan Smith held a preseason availability. I was laid up, so I didn't make it down there. I thought I was going to um, and then had better thoughts of valor um, whatever that phrase is. And so uh, decided to actually maybe intelligently watch it on Jazz Plus, which was a super cool experience. Tip of the hat. To Travis Anderson, Caroline Klein, and all those involved, Jeremy Brunner, whoever else, Nathan Harker, whoever got that done last night, because it was super cool. Like it was like being at the presser, other than I couldn't ask a question, and Ron Boone busted out a great question for me instead. Um, his own, not I didn't ask him to. I'm just he asked a great question. Uh, so first off, on the TV deal, like for those of you who followed me forever, I mean, I just gotta like own that I was could not have been more wrong on this. I mean, this is just an incredible move by ryan smith and visionary stuff this is like how does the same you wonder sometimes whether of these guys who build these incredible companies like qualtrex and sell it for six billion twice like i don't know how he did that um whether they, that same visionary comes into being an, a, a league owner and honestly usually the case is no like usually the case is no um howard schultz is one of the greatest business visionaries ever and he was an unmitigated disaster as an nba owner right cost an entire city a franchise and he's probably the greatest entrepreneur we have in the 21st century um So usually it's no. In this case, it's yes. It's really incredible. So a few things. One is, I just never thought we were going to get to the day where where a team was going to say, hey, here it is for free again. Like, it's just crazy. But the other concept then is, okay, not only am I going to say, here it is for free, but I'm going to pester the league Break all of their standards, everything they've ever done, all the things they kind of have believed in the past, all their rules, and say, "Hey, by the way, I'm taking Montana and I'm taking Wyoming and I'm taking Eastern Washington and I'm taking part of Oregon, and they're now mine. Like they're now available. jazz fans can now get those games last year, if you ca- if if you subscribe to cable there was a, there was about one point three million people that were subscribing that through various mechanisms could get jazz games. He immediately took that number to 3.3 million with the K Jazz deal. Okay, then he adds, okay, well, if you don't have a bunny year, it doesn't work where you are, we'll just do Jazz Plus for you. And the numbers are astronomical on the people who signed up for Jazz Plus because he made it basically free. You get a ticket, you get a hat, I think you get like a t shirt, and you get two tickets, and it's a hundred and some odd dollars. And like, it's the same, it's the same. Like, you're getting games for free, basically. And it's such a convenient – if you have Roku, if you don't have Roku, go get Roku and go get Jazz Plus. It's crazy convenient. Like, I I used it for the first time, probably the only time, hopefully, unless I get fired um, or really sick. All year long, I like the second one better than the first, and neither are good. Um, I used it last night. I literally was sitting on the couch and loaded up my Jazz Plus app, and the press conference just came on, and I watched it. It was incredible. Um, So if you don't – if you have Roku, go get it. Roku's cheap. It's like $29.99 or something if you get the – and they're great um so super interesting the other discussion about what's going on in that industry and roku's this huge innovator who might get <clears throat> caught by everybody else which is too bad because they were the innovator um but right now go get roku put it in your backyard. it's not hard to install anyone can do it i promise you and you just get pay your money for jazz bless, and you have the games right there it's incredible and then you add this he's now got us to six million well that changes who we are as a franchise changes what our sponsors receive it changes how we're thought of. It changes how many people see us. It changes how many people buy our gear. It changes how, how many people want to listen to us on the radio, frankly. Like, it's great. Sirius XM, by the way, if you have Sirius XM, all whole jazz broadcasts, all you have to do is set it up, sync it to your, your, your Google or your Alexa, and tell it to play Utah Jazz Basketball on Sirius XM, and you get the games. Does everybody know that? Probably not, but I will be preaching that all year. If you have Sirius XM, all you have to do to get your jazz game this year is tell it to play, and every local game is on Series XM. So just tell it to play um, Utah Jazz basketball on SiriusXM, XM. Okay. Uh, all right. So I thought that was amazing. Danny Ainge, when asked by David James, great question. Good press conference last night. Good questions. Good media. Good media. Sometimes media is good. Sometimes media asks questions, and I'm sitting there like, what are we doing? Um, really good last night. Maybe it's because I wasn't there and screwed up. Um, David James, great question about the playoffs. And Danny Ainge's answer is make the playoffs. All right, make the playoffs. Now, obviously, Danny Ainge's job is to get them a team that makes the playoffs, but he thinks he's, that's the goal. This certainly doesn't feel like a team that's like in some massive rebuild. Like I talk about all the time, and my mindset is still that we're in this like five to seven year rebuild. They sure don't talk about it that way. I think we are. And I do think like our goal is a championship, and I don't believe it can happen like tomorrow. Um. And I just think it's so hard even maybe to ever win a championship, frankly. I mean, I've never been one of those. who's like championship or bust kind of people. Um, But it's interesting. Like, we're in on Drew Holiday. We're in on Dame Lillard. Like, at some point, logic tells me we're in the middle of this, like, five to seven-year rebuild after trading Donovan and Rudy, which is only, like, it was not that long ago, right? Like, trading Donovan and Rudy, I think, was only 16 months ago. We just had this, like, amazing season last year, so then everyone's totally geeked about it. And we think like, boom, we're going to go the next step. And I've always been one who's like, we can win 26 this year and be fine. Like, I love Ben Anderson's question about what's success this year because I I think it's an interesting question about what's success this year. I actually think it's development of individuals is success this year, not team. But I think they think it's like making the play and making the playoffs. And frankly, do any of our guys play well enough we can go get another asset for them? Like, that's my mindset is we're in the middle of a five to seven year rebuild. So like, who's a part of it? And if you go back and look at the history of Danny Ainge, what he does early in this process is he figures out, oh, Kendrick Perkins is a piece. Marcus Smart is a piece. And then he finds other guys. Oh, they're actually, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the names. Um, Troy Bell and a bunch of other guys he drafted. He's like, oh, that actually isn't going to work. Like, oh, let's get off that. It's not going to work. There's some more recognizable names where he did that. And so when you, that's kind of where I feel like we are. The talk is very different. The talk is like make the playoffs, um, which is super interesting to me. I think it keeps them motivated, it keeps Will Hardy motivated, it keeps everyone, um, you know, kind of in sync, heading in the right direction. It allows, I think, Will Hardy to hold the locker room together, which I think is is more important than we realize, right? Like that if you know if Taylor Hendricks, who's going to be fine is out there every day in practice and Kelly and John Collins and Lowry marketing and Walker Kessler are kind of crushing him because they're older and more experienced and have understood this league. Like, and you're in an edict from the front office that says you have to play Taylor Hendricks, 23 minutes a night. Like a lot of us would like it. You lose the locker room, right? Then Kelly's like, well, screw you. Cause I, I'm not playing your system. Cause I'm on the final year of a con- This is about as unKelly as anything there is, but it's how it works. Um, you know, screw you, I'm on the final year of a contract. I gotta get my next deal. I, I'm not acting and I'm only getting 20 minutes while I'm kicking this guy's ass in practice every day. Like that's not gonna work. And so a little bit of what Danny and Ryan are allowing is they're allowing for for Will Hardy to really coach this team, which is great. Which is super great. Um, super really exciting stuff. Like it is it is so cool to be a part of this franchise and to see what Ryan's doing, to see where Danny's pushing it. Um I obviously I was super close to Quinn and Dennis and have a huge um and the Millers were amazing to me and Larry and I had the special relationship for the show. I did. So none of this has, any there's no like either, or I'm just telling you this day on the 20th and the 23rd year of 2000, like 2023, October, starting the 50th year of jazz basketball. It's just an amazing time to be able to go to work and be a jazz fan and be a jazz employee. Like the company, in my opinion, is just going amazing directions. I'm watching this innovative leader suddenly change who we are as a franchise. As we go from 1.3 million to 6 million viewers I'm watching us with this one of the great GMs of all time be the CEO of the company. I'm watching Justin Zanuck work. He's done great things in his career, built part of Milwaukee, built with the Jazz. Like, it's neat watching a young head coach become an even better head coach in all signs that like I watch him literally put in plays I'm like, oh, that's for John. Oh, that's going to really work well for Taylor. Like I watch him do this. It's amazing. So super exciting time. Uh, those are – that. there's my, like, version of what are you most excited about for the 23-24 season. That's my version right there. Um, I'm not pumped up because I still got drugs in me. Well, I may mean, I have caffeine, but that's just my daily drug. Um, so let's fire it up. Uh, we got, we're, not, we're just getting started today. We got a ton of stuff. We're going to dig into the Knights game. Jazz Kings, what do we have to do? What are we looking for? What are we watching? And then I'm going back to Math Matters. We're going to have a little math matters conversation before this ends because I'm beginning to feel a trend that the league's going the wrong. Well, half the league's going the right direction. Half the league's going the other. I think it's going to be a part of the story of the season. So um, we'll talk about that as we continue on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Intercap Lending. That's my guy, Steve Carter. Steve Carter over at Intercap Lending does amazing work. Uh, he and I were supposed to have lunch this week, and I pushed it off because of yesterday. Um, needed to get a bunch of things done on Monday before I uh, decided to let them cut out little pieces of my cartilage. Um, So anyway, (laughs) uh, Steve just does amazing work. Intercap Lending has been growing and growing and growing in a tough environment. And so what does that tell you? It tells you that they get deals done. That's what they do. Intercap Lending, local company, but they serve outside of Utah as well, in fact. So if you're you're sitting here listening, yeah, God, I'm hearing about Intercap Lending again. I don't live in Utah. You know what? If you need a loan, and you need someone to give you great advice, Steve Carter's your guy. You know, if you just need someone to give you great advice, Steve Carter's your guy. That's why I actually, most recently, I've picked up the phone, called Steve twice, been like, hey, I'm doing this. How do I do this? How do I use this to this? What do I do? And what about, like, he's great. He's unbelievable. You can call Steve at 385-885-28, or just email me at dlock09 at gmail.com, and we'll set you up with a VIP meeting with Steve. That's what every dayers deserve. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. I can single-handedly promise you, you will never get better customer service, maybe anywhere, particularly in the lending area, than Steve Carter. I promise. I promise. He's amazing. Intercap Lending. Call Steve 385 800 Today's show is also brought to you by Prize Picks. You can have fun with Prize Picks tonight as Prize Picks has the NBA season firing up. Download the app, go to prizepix.com and use the promo code On. It's really pretty fun and easy prize picks is I'm not allowed to play. So I, if I want to, do it, I can do it on football. I'm not allowed to do basketball, but prize. Like if you think about the football season, prize picks, you play, you make a bunch of picks they're against, you know, they're not against other people. It's the daily fantasy sports app, quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, enormous selection of players. Like you can check check who's – what do you think about someone getting more points than someone else tonight, someone else getting more rebounds. Um, Saquon Barkley in the NFL for 60 yards or, or Justin jo- Jefferson for 100 yards or something of that nature. So prize picks, you choose – you go after it. Uh, and you kind of pick your guy, like who do you, do you think Colin Sexton's going to burst out tonight on opening night? Cause the bonus is slow defensively. I and mean, then you go pick Colin Sexton, right? That's how you choose it. You pick around the NBA. What do you think Victor Webb and Yama is doing opening night against Dallas? Do you think Luke is going to have a point to prove? You make your call, go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for the first deposit match up to hundred dollars. That's pricepicks.com slash locked on N B A. Thank you so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. And thank you so much for all of you that are everydayers to this program. I greatly appreciate it. Hopefully you got a hold of the uh, previews that we've been doing on NBA. You got another day or two. You don't have to do it yet. Fun games last night. Um, I went to bed with 10 seconds left, so I'm assuming nothing went crazy. I was dying. I was so tired. Um, I'm assuming nothing went crazy last night and that – the bucket late by Phoenix held on, it did. 108-104. Um, I thought both teams looked really good. Um, and obviously, Phoenix is short guys a little bit. Um, and Eric Gordon has a good burst but couldn't make a shot. So anyway, uh, all right, tonight, Jazz Kings. So first thing to watch from the Jazz standpoint is where do we get our advantages? So a year ago, we were the fourth in the league in drives. In third in the league in off-ball screens. This is a really interesting matchup between these two teams because it's a, it's a pick-and-roll league generally where teams are running somewhere between, at least going into last year. We'll see if this changes. Teams are running, I think the average pick-and-roll team in the NBA runs about 75 picks a game. I think that's about right. Um, I really try to give you guys, when we go to advanced metrics, I try to give you the kind of, amount the average number so that you have an understanding of like it's one thing if I use these numbers but if they don't tell if I don't tell you what the kind of their reference point is then that's it so the number one team in the league last year in picks per game was the Phoenix Suns Chris Paul and the median team last year the New York Knicks was 67 so right around 67 70 picks a game and last picking the last team in the league in picks was Denver because they have Jokic. well the second last team in the league in picks was Sacramento and the Jazz were 22nd in the league so this will be a really low pick and roll game. Instead of this, call it 70, just round number. It's not quite right, but it's not that far off. Um, league average, maybe 65 actually is the average. But the median team is 67. Um, oh, sorry. Um, I need to do something here. Sorry about that. Ooh, wow. Woo, woo, Sweat's gonna come down my brow here in a minute. Um, woo, doggy! Just got my first real shot of like. For those who don't know, I had knee surgery yesterday, so I just got a real shot of pain. Oh. Um, so this game's gonna be unique in that. Uh, this game's gonna be unique in the sense that you, how do we create our advantage? So from a Jazz standpoint, we're going to try to create We create our advantage on off-ball screens. We create our advantage with offensive rebounding. We try to create our advantage on spreading the floor and driving. Watch the amount of time. Watch what we do when Walker's out of the game and we're able to play five out. I think that's a really big thing. Watch how often we play Walker out. So we bring Sabonis out and then Walker's cutting rather than starting in the dunker position. How do we create those opportunities there. The other one is the Jazz ran in transition off rebounds 10 times a game last year, which was right in the middle of the pack. The number one team's 12. It's a very minor little difference. But can we can we increase that to some extent um, to be able to do those two things uh, for the Jazz this year? Is Can we get more transition, and then will we be able to take advantage offensively? The Kings defensively are bad. And that is really what's holding the Kings up to being a better team than what they were a year ago. Specifically, in the off-ball screens, though, they're actually half-decent. What's interesting about the Kings is what they're really bad at is the things they don't do. So they're the worst pick-and-roll defensive team in the league. Sabonis doesn't move well. But I just told you we don't run a lot of picks. So can we find a way to exploit Sabonis defensively in a manner that's similar to picks, but probably not picks because we don't have very good pick and roll guards. Right. If you get to our pick and roll, Taylor Horton Tucker ran kind of in he's 0.9. Colin Sexton's a 0.9. Jordan Clarkson's a 1.04. Dunn's a 1.02. Like we're not, we don't have great pick and roll guards. So we're a drive team. Like we have some of the best drive guys in the league. Like if we, you know, we got some isolation guys. Collins, unbelievable isolation. JC's unbelievable isolation. Lowry gets the right matchup. He's great isolation. We're trying to spread the floor, create the advantage, and then take advantage probably on second side action in some capacity to be able to um, get get our advantage. So how do we get our advantage tonight? It's the first one. The second one is how do we handle the handoff? So the Kings had the best offense in the history of the NBA last year, and it's all predicated on the handoff game. They ran 36 handoffs a game last year. The next closest was 26. They were the number one team in the league in efficiency and isolation. In other words, when they got the advantage somewhere, they went and took advantage of it. They only ran 14, which was 23rd in the league. But they run the 36 handoffs a game. The next closest in the league is obviously Denver with Jokic, and they only ran 26 a game. And they're the number one frequency team, obviously, in that. They throw the fifth most amount of passes but they but they don't really that's kind of their game. And so how do we deal with that? How do we switch it 1 through 5? What's our approach? How does Walker deal with it? It's an interesting kind of one to take an, take an eye on, on that. Another interesting one I meant to mention a moment ago about the Kings and their defense it's not very good. Their defense is actually less good as a possession goes on. So they rank 25th defensively after a made shot, which is and they were the f- fourth slowest team. Same thing after a miss. They were the slowest team in the league. In other words, teams took the most amount of time with the ball against them last year, but then scored. So it's not like they have some great defensive setup where you actually have to try to, like, rush up the floor and avoid, and take advantage of their bad transition or something. They actually were fine with that. What they weren't good at is they weren't very good at sitting there and having it in, in the defensive possession working its way through and then being able to hold it together. Um. So pretty interesting uh, to see how the Jazz can do that. Rebounding is going to be a major factor all season long. Because offenses are so damn good, and they are. We, we've had a revolution in how great offenses is, and we'll have to talk about that uh, coming up here in the next segment. Um, I mean, these offenses are just incredible. The Kings offense last year was a 119.7. That means that they average 1.2 points every time they come across half court. That's the equivalent of a 40% three-point shot. I mean, offenses are really that good. So the Kings last year were 24th in the league in offensive rebounding, 6th in the league in defensive rebounding. We are the flip. We're the 4th best offensive rebounding team and 23rd in defensive rebounding. So who gets the rebounding advantage tonight and gets the extra possessions? Because when you get an extra possession right now in this league, it's so incredibly valuable because the offenses are that great. So those are the things that I'm watching for today in today's game for the Jazz. One, where are we getting our advantage? Two, can we take advantage of Sabonis defensively in a manner that's not pick and roll in some other way? Three, are we handling their handoff game? And four, can we rebound? Or who gets the rebounding edge? Those are the things I'm looking for in today's game. All right, we're geeking out. I know, but it's important. I know. I saw that somebody tweeted me the other day. The minute you say we're geeking out, I just leave every time. I got it. It's unique. I'll go look at my dad at this show right now. 22 minute mark people. If you stay with me, I love you. Um, however, I think this is super important to what's going on in the league. I think a bunch of commentators are making mistakes. I think there's a weird trend anti-analytics right now that actually the opposite. There are some twists on analytics right now that are going on because offenses have gotten so great and the The paradigm has shifted a little bit um, and I want to, I want to explain it to you what I think's happening and let's talk and we'll talk about it coming up. I'll try to make sense out of it. I was on the phone a long time last night um, with some NBA buddies and we were talking about this. So I want to share it with you. So that's coming up as we continue on today's on opening night of the 50th year of jazz basketball. It is locked on jazz. Thank you so much for making locked on jazz. Your first listen. We'll be here. Ron and I will be postcast right after the ball game Ron and I will be doing shorts and little short videos for you pregame after shoot around today, as well as right before the game. It's available on Instagram at DLock09, YouTube here on Lockdown Jazz. Uh, also available on my Twitter at DLock09, my Snap at DLock09, and my I think my TikTok is DLock09. So follow me on any and all, and you'll get our pregame recaps and all those kind of things. Uh, thank you very much. All right. So let's see if I can get into this and not bore everyone to death. So, something incredible happened last year. The Kings averaged 1.2 points per possession. I mean, it's really mind-blowing. So, in a possession, the Kings come down and take something less than a 40% three-point shot. Davion Mitchell does anything. And it's a win for you as a team. The Knicks were at 118.7. Philadelphia was at 118. Boston was at 118. Denver was 118. There were five teams last year at basically 1.18 points per possession. Now, some of that is you go to the free throw line and teams, are, players are making it very high. And that's 1.4 points, so free throws are better. Some of that is offensive rebound, gets you another possession. It's a particularly putbacks, I think, are a particularly high point per possession um, impact. Now there's also turnovers, which are zero. Put, uh, uh, actually, putbacks were not particularly high last year at 1.05. Oh no, that's preseason this year. Let's see. Well, last year, uh, Last year, putbacks which is still an offensive possession, which is still part of this 1.18 kind of number that like is there. Um, putbacks were actually only 1.13. So they're actually not high. Like half court offense last year got to nearly a point of possession, which is just a crazy, crazy number. If we put that into perspective for a second and I just, let's go, and that counts turnovers. We go back like six, seven years and our half half court offenses in the NBA, according to cleaning the glass, which is a great site if you want to pay for it. It's super, um super super valuable um instead of being like nearly a point of possession the it was 0.93 points per possession like crazy difference has happened here in like five or six years we've literally gone like 0.07 is a lot of points per possession so let me just take you back to just kind of we're gonna to try to do this as as make so basically my point first point is there's a massive offensive explosion we kind of know that the second point of this is that that is actually just in the purest sense going to make rebounding. Inc- everybody's crashing the glass now because the risk of giving up a transition possession versus the value of getting a few. Uh, and there's only, remember I said there's only 10 defensive rebound trans- possessions a game off misses. It's just not that many. If you can go for, if you get an offensive rebound versus transition, it's a huge advantage. You need to get like two to three transition possessions for ev- if, for every offensive rebound the other team gets. that That's the edge. The offensive rebounding possession is such a big deal because it's an extra possession. It's a zero. It would have been a zero at that point, right? Because it's a miss. So now you suddenly go get 1.15 on it. That's transition. Let's say transition is 0.5 or 0.4 better than half court. Well, you got to do that three times to equal the, instead of the zero, right? So there's, there's the logic there. So offensive rebounding is going to be mammoth. Everyone's going to be crashing glass. It's going to be bloodbath for boards this year. But let me just talk about like some other defensive things. I haven't talked to Will about this yet. So there were six teams in the NBA that averaged more than 1.17 points per possession last year. Let's just take, let's just get to the pure point in a possession where someone shoots the basketball. So we're not turning it over, we're not talking about offensive events, and we're not getting fouled. Just the pure moment where somebody shoots the basketball. There were eight teams last year that had an effective field goal percentage of 56 percent. So let's talk about those eight teams, if we might. So if you're one of those 18, if you're 56% on those possessions, comes out, if you're going to take a three-point shot and you want to be equal to 56%, that's a 37% three-point shot. So all of a sudden, on those... On these eight best offensive teams in the NBA, 56% effective field goal percentage. By the way, the median team in the league last year was us at 55. We could do the same math. We'll just do half the team. When we do 55, it doesn't sound like you're just taking the top six. It's the same incredible math here. So if we take 55% shooting is the effective field goal percentage of all shots by the average team in the NBA, that is the equivalent of a 36.7% three-point shot. So anytime you're a defense and someone takes a shot that is below 55% or below 36.7% from three, it's a win. That's a crazy concept. Okay. So let's just talk about a few things on league average on shooting. Let's talk about threes. So from a defensive standpoint, The the above-the-break three is getting to be a really interesting question because the the above-the-break three only went in 33% of the time last year. The quarter three went to 39%. Go back to the Rudy Gobert defense. We didn't allow you to shoot the rim. We didn't allow you to shoot the corner. We're the number one defense in the league. It still works. There were three teams in the league that last year were really, really good at this. Boston, Milwaukee, and interestingly, Washington. Give a credit to Wes Unseld for for possibly just coaching right with not very good talent. So all of a sudden, if you're allowing someone who's a 33% three-point shooter above the break to take a three, that's a big win. Hold the paint, deny the threes, get a few turnovers, and allow them to shoot that. Okay. Like, that's an interest... Like, that actually makes some sense now, mathematically. Here's what's really interesting to me. The flip side is, well, you really need the mid-range game... And you might need the mid-range, everyone says you need the mid-range game in the playoffs. And that might be true. And I've talked about this a lot, that there is a big difference between regular season defense and playoff defense, which is kind of an interesting kind of concept that that's actually happened over the years. But that it's, there's some real truth to it. So if we go and take mid-range zones for a second, and we take those players that took, Let's take them just the mid range long two. They've got to shoot 55% on that shot for it to be a good shot. Because I just told you the league average effective field goal percentage is 55%. So when we talk about, oh my gosh, you got to really worry about the, the, you know, you got you to really, really worry about the mid-range game, this and that, and everyone's talking about, and all of a sudden, like, the mid-range game, and yes, I, I'm, I'm kind of semi-conceding, semi-conceding that in the playoffs, it has a bigger value. I'm not, like, denying that fact. But let's go look at the guys who took the most shots in the mid-range this last year, and then we'll look at the floater zone, because everyone wants to tell me how the floater zone is different, and It's not. It's not. So let's take a look at the mid-range attempts, and we're going to take guys who took 100 attempts or more this year, last year. Okay, 100 attempts or more. And those guys that actually shot 55% or better on a long two, which is the league average, Kevin Durant. That's it. That's it. The average effective field goal percentage in the NBA is 55%. The amount of guys that shot a two-point shot from long range and took 100 of them last year, not Dame Lillard, not DeAndre Hunter, not D'Angelo Russell, not Seth Curry, one Kevin Durant. Okay. Let's go look at the floater. Everyone's in love with the floater. The floater... You got to have the floater because the floater opens up all these things. You're driving the basket and the rim's being protected. I get it. Like, I get it. I understand why this is the case. I'm not ignoring that fact at all. Bam Adebayo took 568 of them last year. And Shea made a living at 470. How many guys in the league shot better than 55% on their floater? Kevin Durant, Nikola Vukovic, Luka Doncic and Kawhi Leonard was at 54%. We can talk about the increased value of the mid-range, but with the offenses as proficient as they are right now, as teams getting to the rim and shooting threes, particularly corner threes at the high level, you got to deny the rim. You got to deny the corner three. You got to choose who's taking above the break threes and then force the rest of the guys in the mid range. And if Chris Paul and Dame Lillard want to bury you on a bunch of mid range jumpers, you tip your hat because the math shouldn't work that well all the time. It just feels like it when it happens. That is locked on jazz. I'll see you tonight. Opening night jazz 50. Love it. Talk to you soon.